Life is a series of challenges, paths to walk, rivers to cross, and mountains to climb. It takes strength, perseverance, and the endurance to keep going. Spokane Endurance Academy is a new face in the Inland Northwest training scene, ready and excited to help you make a difference in your life. Offering everything from specialized workout plans to field testing, defined intensity training, and progress analysis. At Spokane Endurance Academy, your goals are their goals. Check them out on Facebook at Spokane Endurance Academy LLC, on their website, SpokaneEnduranceAcademy.com, or call now at 208-889-9278. This episode is sponsored by Autoclore System. For over 80 years, Autoclore System has led the industry with its patented low-temp dishwasher. Using only one gallon of water and reusing all chemical containers, Autoclore System gets the job done right. With a full cleaning product line and an arsenal of EPA-registered disinfectants, Autoclore System is here to help you combat COVID-19. Autoclore System offers affordable, cost-saving, and environmentally friendly solutions for all of your restaurant and hospitality needs. Autoclore System dishwashers include chemicals, service, parts, and 24-hour, 7-day-a-week emergency service. For more information, visit autoclore.com, their Facebook page, or call now at 509-368-9368. everybody. My name is Lee Justine Wick. I'm the owner of Vanity Makeup and Skin, which is a private intimate day spa in downtown Spokane. This is my podcast, The Sacred Flesh. The Sacred Flesh is essentially something that is has been going in my mind for years and years, and it is really going to challenge a lot of your belief systems with regard to the beauty industry and what that beauty industry represents. Um, I'm going to kind of go back in history talk about our ancestors, talk about why we do some of the beauty rituals that we do, the relevance to the ingredients that we use on our skin and all the potions and the lotions. And then I'm going to kind of really want to tap into what makes our flesh sacred to begin with and talk about all the ancestors that walked before us and how they really are sacred. And every every cell in your body was perfectly made and should be celebrated in your essence. Your body is um, a cage, essentially a flesh (laughs) covered cage to house your soul. And your soul is where you are the most beautiful. And I'm going to challenge a lot of belief systems that are currently um, subscribed to by certain uh, belief systems in our society today. And I'm going to get kind of weird, just FYI. So this first episode uh, is called Reflections of Irene, and Irene Orge was my great-grandmother. She um, came from Germany. She had 12 children. My grandmother was her oldest. Um, I don't remember much of Irene because she uh, died before I was born. She died at during childbirth, and there was always a picture in my grandma's house of Irene as a child and everybody would come into the house and they would say, Oh my gosh, um, where did you get that picture of Lee? They used to call me little Lee back then. My mom would say, that's not Lee. That is, um, my grandma Irene. So I always grow, grew up looking at that picture of my grandma Irene and really seeing my eyes and especially my nose and my cheeks. And I remember just wishing that one day that I could meet her. I was in a wheelchair. I had a um, 
birth defect, genetic birth defect growing up. Um, the babies now are fixed in utero, which is really cool, but I'm old enough that I didn't get any of those perks. We, w I was born and sent home to live life in a wheelchair, and I, I have a pretty fabulous life, so I'm not complaining. Um, but I was always fascinated with the beauty industry. I, I lived in a really small town in Utah where um, we were not in a big city like Salt Lake. We weren't in a, um, we didn't have a, a ton of, you know, salons and spas and different, different, we looked at each other as far as, and we looked to the church for um, ideas of beauty. And I didn't fit in to a lot of those scribed notions of what was beautiful according to the church when I was young. I was in a wheelchair, and a lot of this, I'm gonna already swear, because I already feel comfortable, but a lot of this is kind of bullshit that's in my head. I don't really, I'm not, nobody sat me down and told me these things. It's just the message that is, the messages that I picked up as a part of being in such a small town and um, going to a uh, church, I would feel like my, because I couldn't have children and I was in a wheelchair, that my womb was closed, I was barren, therefore my value as a woman was diminished and I should just sit still and be cute. And the problem with that was, I was in a wheelchair and in, a, in the hospital till I was four. I'm going straight in, straight in raw with the weirdness. Here we go. <laughs> I would see, I had several roommates when I was f five and younger, and I had several roommates that were in the hospital at Primary Children's Hospital in um, Salt Lake City, Utah. It's since been closed. It's been absorbed by the University of Utah, I believe. My brother, who still lives in Utah, said that when they were in high school, they would go on the grounds of the old Primary Children's Hospital because it's supposedly haunted. And I can promise you that that is true. <laughs> I because... I saw, when I was too young to even understand, I saw ancestors come and take kids home, my roommates home. I lost a, a little roommate who was named Elizabeth. I'm not even sure what happened to her, but she passed away and all of these beings were around her and it was just, I was not fearful. I was in the room by myself, all of her adults were out in the hallway crying and my mom tried to keep me shielded but we only had the curtain between us so I could clearly see that she was being delivered to the other side. I, I would talk about it and I would say things, but when you're four and five and you're on heavily um, adult, you know, you're on heavily medicated, adults don't pay as much attention to you as they probably should. But I could see a lot of what was happening behind the veil. So I um, then had a roommate named Wendy who had third degree birds all over her body and they would bring a whirlpool into our room and they would put her in this whirlpool and the screams that she would scream as a result of her therapy were just so chilling and I could actually hear the lamenting of all of the people that came before her. And not being able to understand really what that meant or what that was, I would often be fearful. And then when I would talk about it to the church, quote unquote, the traditional church, I was pretty much told we just don't talk about it. And so that's my weird disclaimer right off the bat. So in this podcast, we're going to really kind of talk about a lot of the experiences that have happened to me along the way, and but I'll, I'll wait and get much weirder as the podcast progresses. But for today, I wanted to kind of introduce Irene and introduce myself. And then when I was young, I would watch my grandmother get ready. We lived with my grandma. My grandpa Noakes had died. My grandpa Noakes was an amazing man. He was a significant alcoholic. He was uh, very abusive. 
and he put my mom and my grandmother through hell. My grandmother spent a lot of time um, really being kind to herself because I don't think she felt, she was the oldest of 12 kids, so she um, really had to care for everybody. And then she married a man that was, had some amazingly toxic traits. And one of the outlets for her, for now I recognize it as self-care and therapeutic was she would, she was a massive shopaholic and she loved every, she had every beauty product known to man. Um, then the Avon lady would come and she would buy, We I would sit there with my grandma for hours and we would comb through the Avon catalogs and buy everything that were that was there and and we would I would just be so excited when the Avon lady would bring the delivery she had this big vanity um, and I remember feeling like it didn't really matter what I looked like because as a woman I wasn't really going to be looked at as a woman so I didn't really I just looked at my grandma in this awe and nobody told me this they always told me that I was beautiful but it was just the message that I picked up from society and from the church and from communities and, and things. They always made me feel really special and loved and I was, but it was just more of this, oh, she's so wonderful and good for her and she's such an inspiration. And, and the fact of the matter is I actually was pissed even then. I wanna fucking look in the mirror. I wanna look, I wanna be beautiful. I wanna look at the same things that my grandma looks at. I wanna wear lipstick just because you know, I'm being told that I can't have kids doesn't mean that I don't want to to be beautiful and I uh, want a man to kiss me. But there was never any of that really spoken aloud. So it was all these messages that were going on in my head. So I would look at my grandma. My grandma had this, this vanity and it was a um, mid-century walnut bedroom set. And the vanity was beautiful. And she would sit there for hours and she would do all of her potions and lipstick and powders and perfumes and everything and I was just in awe of her and when she died I got her bedroom set and I turned it into I don't use it now it's really interesting because studying yourself as an adult when you look back in the history of your life and you realize like how some situations were really fucked up and how you have a responsibility to fix yourself you as an adult you can kind of see things in 2020 that you can't see you know, looking forward. There's a reason why you can't look into the future. So when I got this vanity, I don't use it for my own makeup and things, which is interesting because I am in the beauty industry. But I use it pretty much as an altar space. I have a million crosses on there. I have candles. I have cemetery dirt from my ancestors. I have pine cones. I have all this this crazy stuff that really means something to me and it's very sacred and it reminds me from where I came. So, um, and don't get me wrong, my business is called Vanity Makeup and Skin, so I certainly appreciate vanity in all, um, you know, in it, at its essence with looking in the mirror, but um, this podcast is basically going to study. I thought, why did I not use that vanity or why do I not use that vanity to look in the mirror at myself and the reason is because I that to me represents my grandmother and it's almost too sacred to look in and just make it a ritual about my own self so vanity makeup and skin is my anti-aging day spa that is downtown and in vanity makeup and skin we use a um, Victorian 
vanity and we use it for all the traditional brides and we use it for makeup and lashes and everything like that but I want to kind of talk about it got me thinking what is the significance of the vanity and how did vanities now of course they're so trendy social media everybody has a lighted vanity everybody sits there and um, you know all these selfies are taken in front of their their vanities but what about the like historical significance of why the vanity became such a symbol of beauty so we're going to be talking about that and my clientele essentially who I want to represent is the uh, demographic who I feel is really underrepresented in the beauty industry and their beauty dollar is just as freaking significant and it needs to be respected just as much and that is the client that because I was in a wheelchair I'll back up a little bit so Growing up, we moved out of Utah, we moved to Washington State, and in Washington State, all of a sudden I realized there are salons, there are, there's life outside of this tiny little town. And I became really good at makeup, and we, I got a job at MAC Cosmetics in 2003 before I lived in Kennewick, Washington. Kennewick was not ready for a MAC store. I am known as the MAC OG. It, MAC and Tri-Cities turned a lot of heads. It was essentially for strippers and drag queens, and you were... Um, one of the two if you worked there so I was fine being a stripper I guess <laughs> I didn't really I didn't really have any any shame I really felt empowered by my own looks and by my beauty so because of my wheelchair I noticed that people who may have been intimidated otherwise would come into the Mac store and would say to me my gosh I've wanted to come in here for a long time I've always been intimidated but you looked so nice you were so nice to me can you help me can you help me buy this can you help me buy that and I became really gained a huge clientele and a lot of following just by being approachable and I realized that it was not really a, I mean obviously I'm a nice person but <laughs> and obviously I looked the part but honestly it was about my wheelchair and then I realized okay now I can kind of see that my wheelchair rather than being a disability it really is used as a tool for approachability for strangers and I've really learned in my adult life to kind of cherish that and I've gone through certain times where I have had to you know put up boundaries because if there's a widow in a room they're going to find me and everybody will have um, a wheelchair story and everybody will tell me about things so but I never want to lose that approachability that helped me gain my business. Um, I went to beauty school at age 45 and started Vanity Makeup and Skin, which is a full-service beauty studio. And I realized very quickly that my clients are the underrepresented. They are the kind of clients that don't necessarily want to go to a Medi Spa and get their lips overly injected. They don't want to... Um, have a bunch of fillers and, and Botox. They really want, they like how they look. They appreciate their own muscle movement. They appreciate their own face. They don't want to alter it too much. But we all strive for immortality with beauty and we all strive with preserving our youth. So they may come to me when they've never gone to anybody else before. So that's really what I've gained my clientele is just by treating everyone like they're sacred. My husband is sitting across from me right now and he would get he gets the brunt of a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the 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 energy that I absorb from other people but anyway um, so w let's talk about vanities and why they why did I name vanity makeup and skin vanity I knew that it had something to do with my grandma grandma Wilma Noakes and then um, you know Irene Norge or excuse me Irene Orge and the introduction to my show 
is essentially just talking about the vanity and um, so what is vanity? Vanity, which we all know, um, is a piece of furniture which I just blathered on about for a long time. Um, it is also obviously um, has a big biblical uh, meaning with the uh, references towards pride and how many times that it's uh, referenced in the Bible. There's obviously the ritual of vanity and all the beauty uh, things that we do to preserve our youth that we call vanity. So I want to kind of talk about vanity and sort of challenge the way we view vanity. And I'm going to talk about the separation between vanity and spirit and vanity in the flesh. And vanity is a piece of furniture. The history of the furniture piece is pretty cool. Um, it essentially dates back to vanity tables, date back to the 17th or the 18th centuries. Um, they were originally called toilet tables, and they were used in bathrooms for general hygiene, and they included a, like a wash basin um, over a fold-down top. And then over time, they became more elaborate and more delicate. They had drawers with which to store beauty products. And then something I found really cool, because I'm 47% British, was the renowned uh, London cabinet maker Thomas Chippendale. He has the first vanity record uh, recorded at dated, dated at the date of 1762. And then you look at um, throughout archaeology and, and relics, uh, cosmetic boxes with ornate drawers and little reflective mirrors have uh, been recorded from 1814 BC. And I thought, okay, so vanities have been around for a long, long time. Um, when you think about what is vanity, uh, according to Jane Austen, vanity working on a weak head produces every sort of mischief. So that quote really kind of summed up what I want to um, talk about today, is that are you vain on the f your flesh or are you vain in your spirit? So when we look in our beauty mirror, um, like who do you see? Do you see somebody whose essence is beautiful and sacred or do you see somebody who you want to change everything do you see somebody with too small of lips and too small of boobs and with a lot of wrinkles or do you see somebody that has terrible skin or do you see somebody that has you know beautiful skin or, or that you need botox or that you need fillers i mean what do you see how do you talk to your skin your skin is the largest living organ and um and it protects your insides from the environment temperature and uh water loss so taking care of your skin is very, very important. But when you think about your spirit lives inside your skin, inside your shell, the words that you're speaking, um, your skin and your spirit actually listen to. So I thought, okay, that's interesting. When you look at the biblical meaning, and this is not a Christian-based show, even though I um, do believe in God, I do believe in the Creator, I, like I said, I am somebody who has had a lot of um, scrutiny by who may or may not be um, intimidated or believe the things that I have been born with. And I don't really care if they believe them or not. My experience is my experience. And you don't often ask to talk to somebody's dead relative when they come to you when you're giving them a facial. And then you mention something and your client starts crying. That is something that just has sort of come with the territory of me. Vanity means in biblical terms vapor or fleeting, worthless and useless. 
And there are over 100 verses in the Bible that talk about vanity. And it's certainly much more when it talks about the strong connotation in the seven deadly sin um, of pride. So when we're looking at vanity, I want to challenge you to look at it from a different perspective than just than being a negative thing that um, that is a sin, a, a, that terrible word sin. I really want you to consider the vanity definition or the separation between vanity and flesh and vanity of spirit. And it's super interesting to me that in um, when you look in it, when you have a vanity, one of the biggest significant parts of a vanity is the mirror. And the mirror is obviously what you look at yourself. And interestingly enough, the, the mirror itself isn't referenced very often in the Bible. Um, it, so I thought that that was interesting, that vanity as a, um, as a sin and something to you know, work against in the flesh is something that's so heavily mentioned in the Bible, but the actual mirror or the tool that you would use to be vain, to do the action of being vain, is not really referenced. So that led me to believe that possibly the Bible's talking about just being vain in spirit and being an asshole. So that is something that we all struggle with every day. Obviously, our vanities, we use it for our beauty uh, routines. We use it for our our to get ready every day we do our hair we plug in our our hair dryers and our, our straight irons and we put our false lashes on and we we go about our day but when you think about um, everything that you do when you're using a beauty ritual is an actual ritual of self-care so you're using all of your your lotions and your potions and your oils and your sprays and your combing your hair which could be long golden locks or it could be something that you say I hate this fucking hair I need to get it cut off birds could live in it because that's what I say to my hair some days <laughs> I need to not do that <laughs> so when you when you are when you are looking at yourself what I want to challenge you to do is to really look at your sacred flesh. That is the premise of the whole show. And as I go and do more shows, they're each going to have a um, topic. And I'm going to kind of tell a ghost story each, each time. I'm going to talk about my own beauty ritual. So for this first part where I just kind of outlined the history of my life and what made me really... It was fascinating to me about why I named my business Vanity. It's why being vain in the flesh is so important to me because I wanted that relevance and I wanted that um, acceptance and I wanted that um, validation. So, and who says all those things are wrong? So when you come to the opposite end of the spectrum and you are told by social media that your, your lips are very small and that you need to have um, fillers, and then you become an addict, and every three months you go in, and you end up with these sausage lips like we are seeing so many people. My, I, my client wants to find, and me, I want to find the balance between being vain if, of the spirit, excuse me, being vain of the flesh, and I don't want to be vain in spirit. I want to be humble. I want to be a nice person. I want to look at myself in the mirror and know that my grandma Noakes and my grandma Irene would be proud of me. And then I blew my own mind kind of thinking, imagine, okay, I have a picture of my grandma Noakes that, and she's sitting next to my Aunt Mike and they just look so badass. They're wearing these little pencil skirts and they wear, they're wearing these little sweaters and they're wearing high, high heels. It was probably sometime in the 40s, maybe the, maybe the late, early 40s, I would say. 
and they just have their pin curls and their red lipstick and they're just gorgeous and I think okay wow I have friends that four generations from now aren't going to even have a photo that's accurate without being overly filtered and aren't going to have a photo of actually what that person looks like in real life because they have had so much work done. So that got me to thinking about really doing the podcast is that, you know, why in the hell are women especially, and there are men, I'm, I'm certainly, um, I am, I'm a believer all races, all ages, all sexes. I, I don't, however you identify is however you identify, you can dress however you want to dress. I'm talking about my experience as a woman and my experience as a female child growing up in a uh, legalistic church. And my experience growing up tells me now that I'm grown up that everything that I, sub that I thought I needed to subscribe to when I was young was bullshit. And that's the kind of mold that I want to break for some women today, that you don't have, there is nobody in society that has to tell you what you need to look like, despite all of the massive um, Medispa outreach that happens now with advertising, and despite how everyone is morphing into looking like the same person, you can look exactly how you want, and outsiders are the, we are losing our, uniqueness and our diversity and how we look based on that image that we're uh, subjected to repeatedly throughout the day. So I'm going to kind of give you guys a, um, a challenge, I guess. I, we've talked about the, the word vanity. I also want to kind of challenge you when you sit down to do your beauty ritual. I want you to look at yourself in the mirror, whether you do it in the bathroom or whether you do it in at an actual vanity table, whether or not you do it on the couch with a tiny hand mirror, however you, whatever you do, I want you to consider all of the ways that you can pamper yourself and care for your skin as sacred and care for your flesh and your spirit as sacred. Because it is, we all have a quest for immortality, but at the end of the day, your spirit is what, what lives on. It's not your, your body. We are meant to age. Um, when you look at yourself in the mirror, who do you see? Do you see your grandmother or do you see the a Kardashian? Do you see your you, do you see your aunt or do you see somebody who the plastic surgeon or the brand new injector told you that you needed however many in, injections that you needed? Like why are we doing that to ourselves? And in that we're losing we're losing touch with our own sacred essence and we are disrespecting our sacred flesh. So the mirror, shockingly, is something that is very, very widely used um, in witchcraft and in um, other cultures for divination and for um, accessing other portals. It is um, widely used for um, centuries for scrying and for peeking in to the past or the future to receive messages or it's used as a window to the other side of the veil. We, uh, mirrors have been used in magic in many cultures in the world with scrying, looking glasses, etc. So, in, so uh, instead of looking at vanity being something that 
involves the mirror. How about vanity involves our entire self? And when clients come to me, that is what I really want them to know is that they're sacred. The minute they walk in, no matter if they look in their most raw form, I want them to feel beautiful and sacred. And that's kind of how I've built my business. And I don't subscribe. And being in a wheelchair, I don't fit into the mold anyway. And I never wear any color but black. That is always going to be part of who I am. I, I don't fit in with the pumpkin spice latte girl. I, I, I never have, and I don't want to. I love them. I've got friends that are fuck pure pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> I've got friends that have like three grand every quarter saved at a medi spa for their injections. I don't judge those. I love those women, but they're not me. And so I want to talk to those people that are also not afraid to just be themselves. And I want to sort of challenge you guys all as you listen to this podcast as we go on to really celebrate your essence and not just celebrate your flesh and to talk kindly to your essence and not to speak disrespectfully to your flesh. Um, my routine, I, I'm 50 and my skincare routine, people can't believe that I'm 50. And I did grow up with my grandma Street's genetics. Her skin is really, really amazing. I remember looking at her, her name was Lola. Um, street she had the most beautiful skin in the entire world and she would wear a huge sun hat because she didn't want to get hyperpigmentation so I knew at a young young age what hyperpigmentation was and how to avoid sun damage so and I also grew up knowing that you should wash your face every night and every morning I mean I, I grew up with some women who really enjoyed self-care and um, so there's nothing wrong with pampering yourself and enjoying a luxury bath and putting in a bath bomb and putting in uh, flower petals and lighting candles there's nothing wrong with any of that you can do whatever you want it doesn't make you high maintenance it doesn't make you obsessed with yourself or it it makes you you and whatever you need to do to get through especially with COVID and all of the isolation that we have. Sometimes there are some people who have no children and no um, spouse and they may be working from home and they may go all week without actually seeing another person other than Zoom. And we are missing those human connections that really are important and vital to mental health. And so I really want you to pay attention to how you talk to and how you touch yourself. Let me look at my little note here because I feel like I am, I wanted to tell you guys a ghost story. And since I got weird right from the jump, I may as well just keep going. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when I lived in the Tri-Cities and worked at Mac and opened my own, my own spa, I was pretty, I felt like, oh gosh, I have to compete with this person, this person, this person. And then I realized that I was kind of developing my own clientele and my own little niche because there was a whole underrepresented demographic of women out there that don't want to look like pumpkin spice latte. They don't want to have, um, you know, hugely large lips. They want to just be normal. They just want to look like normal women, but they still want to enjoy um, all of the benefits and the perks that the, the beauty industry can offer. And their beauty dollar is just as significant and relevant. And nobody's trying to capture those women. It's like there's two extremes. There's wipe, you know, wash your face with a piece of toast and exfoliate because and don't use any synthetics. And then there's get injections. Well, there's a wide middle ground of people that um, like me that I love a lot of various elements in the beauty industry that may not fit into a specific category. So when we when I was in Tri-Cities, I did I, I kept my 
my, um, I don't even know what you'd call my specific, I don't know. I, I know I'm a medical empath. I, I've told clients that they're pregnant before when they walk in the door. And I have texts to prove that. <laughs> it's like, uh, I've told, they, they will text me one of my girls, I won't say her name, she came in and wanted a treatment and said, this treatment worked really well for my skin last time, can you do it this time? And the minute she said that, I had a tapping on my shoulder that said, don't hurt the baby. And I knew that she was newly married, but she had never disclosed to me that she was going to get pregnant. And I said, are you pregnant? She said, fuck no, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> and I said, and she was. And I said, yes, I think, are you sure you're not pregnant? She goes, Lee, we're not having kids for a long time. I'm not fucking pregnant. Don't put that shit on me. It was like a real heavy response. And I said, I really, I really... I really think that we should second. She wanted to do a high-frequency treatment, which is a contraindication if you're pregnant. You can't do that treatment if you're pregnant. It's pregnancy. The, the fetus has to be protected at any cost. So you have to be very gentle when you're doing anesthetics treatment on somebody that's pregnant. It's all about soothing and luxury and not about actual um, any sort of real machine. She's like, Lee, I want that treatment. So I thought I second-guessed my little intuition, and I went in the treatment room, and I said, okay, lay down. And I said, I don't, if, as long as you're not pregnant, have you, and I said, have you had your period lately? Like I really was weirded out because I just kept hearing this protect the baby, protect the baby. And then I said to her, I was kind of fearful that if I did it, if I did the treatment, despite how much she was um, telling me that, you know, she's the client, it's her money. She's the one that's wants the treatment. And I just finally said, man, if you hurt that baby, you will have to answer to her ancestors. It was like, I heard that in my head because I didn't listen. And then I said, I can't do the treatment on you and I'm not going to do the treatment on you because, and I said the words, I think you are pregnant. She said, what are you saying? And I go, you don't understand. I'm, I'm really telling you, I'm being told, and it was the first time that I let a client really truly know, I'm being told that you are preggers. <laughs> and I don't know, and I don't want to listen to that because I don't really feel like pissing off any of your people who are telling me this on the other side. So I'm not going to go there. She said she was weirded out. I could tell she actually heard me. She says, OK, I'm, thank you. I'm, I'm really pray to God I'm not pregnant, blah, blah, blah. And three days later, we, we did an actual treatment. She left and I, I felt I second guessed myself again. I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I hope I didn't lose her as a client. I love her. She's so nice. Three days later, I woke up to a text, and it said, OMG, you are a witch. You, my husband is sitting on the bed. It was like at 4.30 in the morning, and she took a picture of her pregnancy test, and it was positive. And it was since then that I realized, okay, I know the difference between what I'm feeling and what I need to say versus what I don't need to say and that discernment. I was born with discernment and I believe that that comes from a higher place and I don't need to be fearful of it and I don't need to be told that it is from the occult and from the quote-unquote devil. I don't need to be told. I don't need to subscribe to any of that programming. I can actually just do what I feel in, um, in tune to do and ever since then it's just kind of gotten weirder. I'm not gonna lie. I mean people will come in and I'll be able to feel all sorts of things and so I started getting an, a, a clientele that comes to me for 
some spiritual healing. And that's sort of how the Sacred Flesh as a podcast was born. So my challenge to you, I'm not ex exactly accepting clients. I don't want to just, um, I am a skin therapist. That is, I do believe in vanity. I do believe in anti-aging. I do believe in taking care of your skin and preserving. I don't want to look 50, even though I am 50. I don't necessarily, I mean, I must look 50 because I am 50. So that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just, I want to, I want to look like myself and I want to look like the best version of myself. So I have a 75,000 step routine that I do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Um, so we'll be talking a lot about that during this podcast. And then we are going to get kind of, kind of ghosty. Spokane is really, Tri-Cities isn't a really old city. So I was never really compelled or, or pulled to buildings for certain reasons. And Spokane really will suck me into a building like crazy. And my husband has, now he's used to it because I will say to him, oh, I, can't, I mean, it's just weird. So it, just lots of things. Lot, we, I told him to pull over on some road. He said, why? And we pulled over and I said, this building really is, it's something around here in this little vicinity. Something is bothering me. We need to pull, we need to, and he, we pulled around. He found, he, I'm like, it's right here. It's in this building. But it was a, it was a big building that you could tell was old, but it was currently being used as like, there was a spa, there was some retail space there. And I said, it's here. Something is here. It's here. I, I this place is calling me. Matt um, said, well, pull around the front. Let me look at the address. So we pulled around the front and it was an old cast, cast casket making factory and then there was a um, cemetery that was or a funeral home that was right across the street that we didn't notice so I kind of have had a lot of those experiences since living in Spokane just because of the history and the age so I've had to sort of um, shield myself because even walking excuse me I'm in a wheelchair so I roll even rolling down the road sometimes I'll look at people's will make eye contact and I'll feel something. So it's sort of taken on a new um, and bigger relevance in Spokane just because I think of the history, not because I did anything to open it up. Um, so I think the best thing that I can use to use my gifts would be to help women who come to see me in the spa realize that they are magic in their own right and they can look at themselves in the mirror no matter how they look in their raw naked form and know that they're beautiful. And I want to challenge you to be vain in um, the flesh on occasion and not to be vain ever in spirit and to always stay humble and to always respect all the ancestors that came before you. And um, I will always accept new clients and I'm just excited for what the next uh, podcast will entail. I thank you very much for listening to me. Uh, this has been The Sacred Flesh. I'm Lee Justine Wick, owner of Vanity Makeup and Skin. Tune in to where all of your favorite podcasts are broadcast. Give us a few five stars if you could. And thank you. We'll talk again. Bye. This episode is sponsored by Burn Butter. Burn Butter is an all-natural, low-carb, keto-friendly product created to help you consume healthy fats when you need them the most. You can add it to your coffee. You can add it to your foods. You can add it to your snacks and your smoothies. 
You can even consume it straight out of the pouch. It's a new way to add healthy fats in your diet without making any big adjustments. You can find them on social media at Burn Butters and at burnbutter.com. We're all spending more time at home, and we know you and your family want to be comfortable. Let the Furniture Outpost serve your needs. Locally owned and located in the heart of Spokane's Monroe Business District, the Furniture Outpost is there for your furniture needs. Sofas and love seats, sectionals, dining room, bedroom sets, and mattresses. So much more. No matter what you're looking for, they have it. Financing is a breeze with the Furniture Outpost. Come see them at 2801 North Monroe Street. This podcast was produced and edited by Speak Spokane.